Hello, and welcome to my podcast, From Trauma to Triumph. I am Leah Bandola and your host. My mission is to help people heal their past so that they can unleash their brilliant future. I am a trauma release specialist, empowerment coach, and cognitive behavior therapist. I am also a published author with three book publications and a professional speaker. This podcast delves into the world of trauma, and it is a big world. There are so many aspects to trauma and how it affects us in our lives, and each episode will give you more information, examples, stories, and strategies to help you understand trauma better and how to release the hold that it has on us. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and it is a beautiful day today as I'm recording this in Southern Ontario. I am so thrilled to be here with you again today with a beautiful, beautiful person. I've known her for a few years, uh, well, quite a few years now, I think, um, and uh, she is someone that I think you are all going to really resonate with and learn a lot from. Her name is Barb Takeda. Barb lived most of her life in debilitating chronic pain and depression. After she suffered numerous losses, she found her purpose and passion. Today, she is a two-time best-selling author, inspirational speaker, Reiki master teacher, spiritual mentor, and reverend and wedding officiant. She is the creator of two signature events, an exceptional woman, and the, and this is H- art of conversation, a heart of conversation. (laughs) Barb inspires women to unleash their greatness by giving them the practical spiritual principles and tools that she employed in her healing journey. Welcome, Barb. Thank you, Leah. It is really awesome to have you. Um, I know a little bit of your story and um, I have read some of your other publications Um, but you have something very exciting that is about to launch and that is your book. Um, Tell us a little bit of, uh, just tell us a little bit about the book, but then I want to dive into, you know, why you wrote this book and your kind of history, let's say, and your experiences that have led you to doing everything that you do today. Uh, Okay, well, the book first, um, It came about because I was involved in a smaller publication with a friend of mine doing a chapter, as you know, Mm -hmm. and the editor that saw that said, have you ever written before? And I said, no. And she said, I really think you need to write a book. She said, you just have so much to say. So she kind of encouraged me to do it. And and it's funny because I've been journaling for years. So it was actually quite easy to take you know, the condensed chapter, which was 5,000 words and my journaling and come up with a 40,000 word book. Um, The book is basically my story and the tools that I employ to heal my life, which I've been working on for about, well, I should say I've been working on it for about 10 years. God's been working on it for about 15 years, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see the signs until I reached a certain point. And then I, then I could see the path that had been laid before me. So it's been an interesting journey. I love that. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about you and, and your journey. When, when do you think, how far back do you remember that experiences happened to you that 
you think, you know, kind of influenced other experiences in your life? Um, oh, wow. Well, I can remember back a long ways. I was abused as a toddler. Mm. Um, I was, you know, physically abused by my father. He was a spare the rod, spoiled child type of um, reformed Baptist minister. So there was, there was no getting away with even looking sideways in our house. The whip came out and, you know, you were beat for it so those experiences I remember quite clearly there's there was definitely a lot of trauma that I held on to even with regard to and I talk about this in my book my dad had a yellow leather it wasn't leather it was like a pleather chair downstairs in his office and it had no arms a big seat a square back with a big button about that big in the middle of it and that chair still to this day when I think about it all I think about is bending over it and getting whipped wow um I was sexually abused when I was 17. I mean, there's just, there were so many things that happened in my life. And I really think that, you know, because of the abuse that I suffered at my dad's hands and bless him. I mean, like I, like I told you earlier, we reconnected in the last few weeks of his life when he was in palliative care. And I received more love from him in those few weeks than I received my whole life. So everything was healed and forgotten just in those few weeks. But um, I do firmly believe that when a child is punished physically you know it's corporal punishment it just beats you down and I was definitely beaten down to the point where I didn't really think I was much of anything I didn't like myself as I you know as I grew and I can remember as a teenager it was always like oh you're just so self-conscious no I hated myself Mm -hmm. I hated what I saw I had freckles I had pigtails I had braces I had to wear orthopedic shoes because I had sore feet I was about two inches around like there was nothing I saw that I could look at and go, oh, you're so pretty. No, I was just ugly and worthless. Mm. And so I think most of my life, and I I feel this quite strongly now, I was searching for love. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it led me to a lot of wrong places. I feel very fortunate that I didn't get involved in any promiscuity or the drug world, but I did get involved with, you know, one man that I married very, very young. And I know it was simply because I was searching for love and it was the wrong marriage. You know, it lasted mm-hmm. 14 years, which I guess is not a total failure, but it was definitely the wrong marriage. But mm-hmm. I was just through my whole life. That's all I was looking for was validation and love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when you don't have that uh, as a child, which so many of us can, you know, I, I didn't have quite the severity of the punishment, um, which is what they called it, you know like back then they didn't call it abuse of course um but I had you know very strict father and corporal punishment you know back in the day in our day right um was still very acceptable on so many levels right so you you know when you feel like not only is it happening to you but you can't even talk about it Mm -hmm. because who's going to listen to you and you know and in a lot of cases you just get even more trouble yes right then you got somebody else who's now going to hurt you possibly because you shouldn't be talking about this what do you, you know so it it becomes i i believe it just really becomes part of our identity yes um and and that searching that seeking of what you didn't get all through your childhood and your mm-hmm. teen years right and so of course you know when somebody comes along and pays some attention to you and oh yes right <laughs> and that feels like love it's like yeah And also, you know, I got married very young and I am blessed that, you know, despite the fact that my husband and I met when we were 15, (laughs) insane to think about, um, 
you know, it was a good relationship. It is a good relationship. Not, you know, not perfect. And lots of rocky roads that we've gone down as most relationships will. Um, However, I know that I, like, I couldn't wait to get out of my house. And my main reason, right, for getting married, honestly, when I look back, it was like, because that was the only way I was getting to leave my house. Um, Because my parents were Italian, very strict, you know, very traditional. And you didn't go and live on your own. And you certainly didn't live with somebody else, right? So, So it was like, get married, or I stay here and endure all this stuff. So, you know, I think for you, it sounds like that was maybe a motivation for sure. It was definitely a motivation. I I was raised in an extremely strict religious home, you know, church three times on Sundays, quite often two to three times during the week. The church came first. I I wrote this in my book. I can remember as clear as a bell, my father saying to me, God is first. The church is second. Your mother's third. You kids are fourth. Oh, wow. In his priority list. Yeah, it's just when I think back and I I really do. And I'm not putting down anyone who is a religious person, Mm -hmm. but I really do believe that there is such a thing as religious abuse. And I know there's actually groups and books that have been written about it. And I feel very strongly (laughs) that have grown up the way I did. It was abuse. You know, I was, was. first of all, I was terrified that I was going to go to hell if I wasn't born again and baptized. Right. right. Um, And I spent most of my life that way. Absolutely terrified. Yep. you know, dying. And that's not, and, and being told that we're born, you know, filthy sinners. Yes. How yes. can you possibly raise a child with a healthy, you know, grasp on who they are, if that's oh. what you're telling them? Of course. And, and so your I think about that, your identity as when you're very, very small starts as I am no good. I am a sinner. I am, and I, you know, I, I grew up in the Catholic Roman Catholic. Oh yeah. (laughs) My my mother was a devout Catholic. My father wasn't, he just had his own thing going on with control and stuff. But, and, and again, for our listeners, we're not knocking religion here, but just to kind of highlight that not everyone's experience with religion, especially, you know, previous generations it has gotten better I mean I raised my kids in the Catholic Church because I wanted them to have a base they had a very very different experience than I did um but yes I you know I this is how old I am um (laughs) is I grew up with nuns like the nuns were our teachers right yeah and so um and some of them weren't very nice and corporal punishment was part of our school experience like I the yardstick I just talked about this with somebody else well we had they had an uh, a um, leather strap yes our principal like a very thick leather strap and if you so much as talked in class you were sent down to that office and you were getting the the strap right so it's like you're growing up with terror, you know, it's so, and, so true. and when you're in a home where there's terror in the home, and then you go to school and there's terror in the yeah. school, I believe you grow up just waiting for that thing to happen. Like, I, you're right. Yeah, right. There's no safety. Yeah. There's no safety. No, no. Oh, it's yeah. funny, because I can remember my dad saying to me, if you get in trouble at school and get strapped, you'll be coming home and get the same thing. So you're right. It's It's just terror. Yeah. You know, and what what kind of trauma does that well, plant yeah. in a child? That, you know, it, it's you know, it's a repetitive trauma. Yeah. And there's and it's layered trauma. So there's trauma on top of trauma. Yeah. And then you spend your whole life kind of trying to 
run away from it because yeah. you don't know how to heal it until you know yeah. how to heal it. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So your traumas didn't end, I'm guessing <laughs> with, uh, in your teen no. years. So if we fast forward and I don't know if we mentioned the name of the book, cause, and I'm going to mention it cause it is absolutely amazing. And it's called fall in love with your flossomeness flossom with an F at the beginning, um, healing and transforming the wounds of trauma to create your exceptional life. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it, like you had said, you were searching for love uh, externally, of course, because yes. that's what we would do. But really, I'm guessing you came to realize that it was about that self-love. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, absolutely. that had to happen before yeah. you could I mean really that was that's sort of the premise of my book the importance of yeah. you like of you as a person in your own opinion and to realize that the opinions of others really don't hold any weight in your life the most important yeah. opinion is your own yes absolutely yeah so so how did you come to have that realization so what happened you know kind of into your adult life that started to get you a little closer to discovering yeah. that well, I'll, I mean, I'll fast forward right till I was probably into my early 50s, because up until that point, it, I basically just tell the stories of some of the trauma that I went through in my first marriage and various things. So when I get my early 50s, my oldest sister was diagnosed with uh, myelogenous leukemia. Mm -hmm. She was 62 and a half when she was diagnosed and she fought it. And unfortunately, she lost her battle at 64. That definitely something happened to me, but at the time I didn't know what it was. As I, as I said to you earlier, you know, the universe, God, whatever people want to call their higher power was definitely working in my life. They were tilling my ground and softening my soil for those seeds that were being planted, but I didn't realize it at the time. So that was sort of the first step I would say in, towards my healing, because I started to develop interest in things that I was always told were sinful, i.e. other religions. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I started reading about Buddhism and the beautiful way that they lived. And I remember my mother, mm -hmm. you know, was just mortified that I was even talking about that. Right. Then yeah. we'll go forward another couple of years. My dad got sick and he ended up passing away mm -hmm. within a couple of years. And right. again, more happened. And I started to develop an extreme interest in reincarnation and started reading Brian Weiss's works. And yeah. I was just fascinated with all of these things that were starting to interest me. But again, I didn't know what it was. I just, I've always been a researcher and a reader and a learner. And so I just thought, oh, I'm, it's just my usual, you know, Barb personality. I love learning stuff. Yeah. So then we'll fast forward again another couple of years. I lost my mom. Mm. That was the catalyst in my healing. Yeah. I fell into, well, actually I lost her. And six weeks to the day after losing her, I lost our 14 year old dog. Oh. So I dropped into a oh. terrible depression. Uh, and I mean, terrible I actually even thought I was going to lose my marriage family wouldn't come and see me nobody wanted to talk to me you couldn't even look at me without me breaking down into tears I was an absolute disaster but the funny thing about it was I actually got pretty comfortable in that pit of mm. darkness yeah it, it just sort of wrapped me up like a comforter and I just stayed mm. there mm -hmm. and I, I'd say it was about six to eight months that I stayed in that mess and I I can't really tell you the one thing that changed it, but I do know my daughter introduced me to a woman 
And I've actually, I have some acknowledgements in the back of my book that I call gratitudes. And one of them is Teresa. Um, she's a spiritual intuitive and my daughter was doing, she's also a yoga yogi or whatever they call them. And my daughter was doing a lifestyle shoot for her. Mm. And Teresa started to talk to her about me and telling her things that there's no way anybody should know. Mm. So Sabrina left her house and she got in her van and she called her. She's mom, you have to come and see this woman. She said, I think she might be able to help you. So I went to her website and looked and I remember seeing her prices and I thought to myself, there's no freaking way I'm going to pay that kind of money to go and see this woman. Right. But there was something about her and her website that kept drawing me back and drawing me back. So eventually I did make an appointment and I spent three hours with Teresa, had a horrendous, like huge bill, but um, it was worth every penny because I left wow. her house a different person. Really? Um, yep. She, I think one of the biggest things I was holding on to was severe guilt over my mother's death. Mm-hmm. She had been in the hospital um, about 15 days, no, about 12 to, 12 to 13 days before she passed away with extremely severe uh, muscle breakdown pain. Mm. And we stayed, we were in emergency for like eight hours. The doctor put her on um, Dilaudin, which is a really, really mm-hmm. strong narcotic. In fact, she was unconscious on the stretcher when he came in and, re- and said she can go home. And I'm like, how am I supposed to get her home? I said, she's out cold from the drugs you gave her. Oh, he said, when she wakes up, you can take her home. And I'm like, how she lives alone. I said, will she be okay? He said, she'll be fine. Anyways, I got her home and uh, I stayed with her for two days and we cut back on the Dilaudin by three quarters because she was just totally out of it. So on the third morning, I said, or the third evening, I said to your mom, I said, I have to go home and sleep because I've been sleeping in her lazy boy. I said, I'm just, I'm a walking zombie. I'm no good to you. So I said, let's put it depends on you. Let's leave you for the night. I'll be back here at 530 tomorrow morning to get your breakfast and you know, you'll be fine. I said, but please don't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I got home, called her about 1030. I said, you okay? She said, I'm fine. She said, I have to go to the bathroom. I said, okay, let's take the phone with me. I'll walk with you. So she went, she got back into bed. She had a cordless phone. I said, okay, mom, please don't get up. Promise me you won't get up. She promised me. Phone rang at three in the morning. She'd been rushed to the hospital. She'd had a terrible fall. Um, oh no. It was awful. Um, it, so she was on blood thinners and she, as she came down, she caught her arm on the corner of a cabinet and just tore the top of her arm off. It, she was a mess. Anyways, she had fallen, they figured around 11 and it took about three hours for her to find the bell pull. So she started going into shock. And apparently from research I've done since then, when a senior falls, and I hate to say senior because I am a senior, I mean like an elderly senior. Yes, yeah. If they're down long enough, their body starts to think they're going to die. And so it starts to shut things down. So it was a very interesting process to, now I can look back without the tears and and say it was a very interesting process. when we got there, she was on oxygen because that was one of the things that started to break down. She mm. couldn't maintain oxygen levels in her blood. So anyways, we'll just skip through the rest of it. She, she it was in the hospital for 11 days and it was just sort of a slow progression towards the end of her life. And she died on the 11th day. Um, I held so much guilt from mm. that accident because mm. I left her. Mm. And it was, I think that was probably with Teresa, what really helped me start to see things far more clearly and with a different perspective. She said, Barb, our lives are ordered. Uh, The day we're born, the day we die is predestined. Mm -hmm. We come to this earth having chosen certain life experiences to help our soul grow. Mm -hmm. 
And she said, your mother chose that way to die. Yeah. She said she could have chosen a stroke and you could have been living with a incapacitated person for five or six years. But she mm-hmm. said she chose that way to die. It had nothing to do with you mm-hmm. or the fact that you left her that night. And yeah. she left me with five words, which I actually have got in my book and they've stayed with me ever since. Everything is always perfectly perfect. Oh, I love it. So oh, I left her house a different person. And that I, I flew. I've often, I've often likened my time with Teresa was I went in a caterpillar and she sent me out a butterfly. Oh, wow. It was, it was an incredible oh. experience. So I've been flying ever since. <laughs> I love just that. just started the journey. Yeah. And because, you know, butterflies are definitely my thing. And I base a lot of what my work around that whole concept. Yeah. And what I really want to point out is that you had to really go through that metamorphosis process, which is messy and ugly. And, you know, and this is the part that a lot of good people think, oh, you just sit in this cocoon and then oh, you no. know, <laughs> butterfly comes out and it's beautiful. And it's like, no, have you ever actually seen the process? It's really quite messy and ugly. Yeah. And, but you have to go through it that way. Right. Absolutely. And I, I'm in total agreement with Teresa. She sounds amazing. I'm going to have to get maybe your, her information from you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's so true. And those of us, maybe I, who knows what the real sort of basis reason was that she had to go that way. And you may never, ever really know fully, yeah. but to accept that she did and maybe part of it was to really help you to fully heal yes because I'm guessing this was not the first time you had guilt and that you probably carried a lot of guilt for a long time because we do especially those of us who've had the type of you know um, upbringing and experiences that you had Um, and so maybe that was the big thing for you that you to heal that part of you in a in a very difficult way, granted, but you know what? Sometimes I think that's where the greatest healing happens. I agree. You know? I agree. Yeah. Well, I really, I've, I've really been able to come to the place in my life where I can look at my mother's death and say it was necessary for my birth. Yes, it truly was. And I'm, I'm very grateful. Um, that that's a journey in and of itself is learning to be grateful for all the things that have happened to you in your life, regardless of how easy or hard they were. Yeah. We have to feel gratitude and we have to send, I send thanks regularly to some of the things and people that have been in my life because without them, I wouldn't be me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you wouldn't be so flossom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I yeah. love that. It's become my new favorite word. I love that word. Uh, me too. I use it all the yeah. time. I hope yeah. you don't mind, but. <laughs> no, well, listen, I, I did give you Tyra credit. Banks. <laughs> Tyra Banks is the one that coined that word and I took is it from her. Right? So. Oh, okay. <laughs> know that. Um, but yeah, so it's really about embracing um, all our parts, right? Absolutely. Like I work, you know, and people have heard me talk about um, different things that I use, but, you know, we have all these parts in us, everybody does, and they're not all wonderful and they're not all our true self and we operate out of different parts. So yeah, it sounds like you have really learned and more than learned, it's like you've embraced it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and and we're not, you know, going to tell you a lot of the details because you have to get the book (laughs) to get all the details. 
Um, but what other experiences do you feel have led you to where you are now, which is a pretty great place, I would think. Um, wow. I mean, experiences, I, I, I don't really want to talk about the traumatic experiences anymore, but I think, you know, some of the things that I've employed or undertaken since I began my healing have just been monumental for me as I've as I've climbed this mountain of healing, Reiki yeah. was one of them. I remember the first moment that I felt Reiki, it felt like I was home. Yeah. It was just like somebody opened a door and said, come on in, this is home. So Reiki has definitely been something that I can honestly say saved my life. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, even moving forward with some of the different things I've done, I love being a wedding officiant. I just love being involved with couples on their, you know, their wonderful day. Yeah. I took empowerment coaching the same one you did at SWAT right. and right. it, I mean, it was, I don't use it that much now in my, like in my job, because I would consider myself semi-retired, mm -hmm. but um, what a healing journey that was for me mm -hmm. to take that course. It was yeah. incredible. Oh, yeah. And it, it really agree. helped me to identify some of the things that still needed healing in my life. And also to see that I know for a fact, I had done some spiritual bypassing and kind of jumped some steps. So it was really good for me to take that course and, and step back and go through those. Can you describe what you mean by spiritual bypassing? Because I'm I'm just seeing the looks on some people's face. Or they're like, what? Um, it, what is that? It, I think, well, spiritual <laughs> bypassing is when you heal your life, but you don't you don't heal every part of it. So rather, I think you would remember in the course how they talk about the different steps that you take yeah, yeah. as you're moving up in healing. Spiritual bypassing would be, well, I don't really need to do step three, four, and five because it's not that bad. So I'll just go to number seven. Right. So, and I know I did that. Right. I know I just pushed stuff down and it was like, eh, it's not a big deal. Right. But I mean, you push stuff yeah. down eventually, it's going to come back and bite you in the you know what. Oh, for sure. <laughs> You know what? This is the cornerstone of my work. What you just yeah. described there is because <laughs> most people do that and they all want to get to, um, and, and my listeners have heard me talk about the map of consciousness, which is kind of one of the um, tools that we would yes. use in empowerment coaching. Um, and, you know, the levels and at the very bottom is shame. And of course, the line of work I'm in, especially, and I'm sure for you too, Barb, is, you, you know, we see a lot of people who are, are in that level a lot of the time. And, and to just, you know, caution to people, we're not saying you might necessarily be sitting in shame all the time. But if that's where you sort of keep falling down to, you know, so, so yeah. we all have those moments of like, well, I call it the upper level, you know, where the, the great juicy um, feelings are, you know, the love and the joy and peace and acceptance, all of that. And what happens is, you know, everybody wants to be up there, but they don't want to go all the steps to get yeah. there and it's like well can't you just teach me how to just be happy like I just want to be happy and it's like well no yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's kind of like the metamorphosis of the butterflies like no you got to go we have to go in the middle uh, the messy middle as so many people yeah. call it right yeah um so yeah I really appreciate that because I think many of us do that we, we yes. skip, we, we just yeah. want to skip over and then you just keep it buried and until something happens yeah. that really shakes <laughs> your world, you know, as has happened, I know, you know, certainly for you, for me, for many people, um, that is when we will 
really stop and go, this is really not working. And I'm going to have to feel that pain and I'm going to have to address. And it's not about staying in it, right? Like I'm, I don't, you know, I'm not the type of therapist. I don't do clinical therapy really anymore. Um, So we don't like to stay in the past and, and stay immersed in the tragedies or the the trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's about it, like looking at it, have a hard look at it and see how it has affected your life. I mean, you can see, I'm sure that all of the things right from when you were a very small child um, were all those layers that just kept, you know, leading you to other areas of pain. Absolutely. Um, And you, you experienced an illness. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, Well, I, I, honestly, I think all of my diseases, I have a lot of autoimmune. I have rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory osteo, fibromyalgia, lichen sclerosis, eczema and asthma. So Mm -hmm. I've, I've suffered with a lot and I Mm -hmm. do believe that all of those illnesses were my body's way of giving me a message that I wasn't listening to. And it took me a long time to hear the message. I mean, I was on 13 prescriptions. I was using a walker. I was injecting myself with prescribed narcotics. I, I was a mess, you know, 20 years ago, excuse me. So uh, it took a long time to hear those messages, a very long time. But you know, it's interesting. You were talking about how we stay mired in the, in the crap. Mm -hmm. And I really firmly believe that quite, and I, I know this for a fact for me, I was barred with an illness. So everybody looked at Barb with, with sympathy. It's like, oh my God, how do you man, how do you live with this pain? You know, how do you do this? So the validation I was getting from staying sick was paramount mm-hmm. to my staying there because yeah. I kept my mom and dad, they treated me like a China doll, you know, because I had so many issues uh, with, you know, with pain and, and, yeah. and whatnot. So it, the validation, I think that's a really important thing to remember um, especially when we're dealing with clients, you know, for me, what are you getting from this? There's a yep. reason you're holding on to this. And I know for me, I was holding on to it because even though it was a bit of a war inside me, because I didn't want to appear ill. So I quite often didn't go out when I had really bad days and would only go out when I could maybe manage with just a cane. I didn't, I never wanted to be out. No, I was only in my forties for God's sakes. I didn't want to be seen um, on a walker. Um, um, so I would use a cane or nothing at all and just suck it up and, you know, suffer the pain that it caused me to go out. Mm-hmm. but yeah I know now when I look back there was a lot of that I got a lot of validation from that and remember yeah. back to the start of our conversation that's what I was always searching for validation yes. absolutely and you know we hold everything goes into our body right yeah everything I know I don't need to tell you this but for our listeners I'm going to reinforce this because yeah. they have heard this before um and you know when we don't deal with it it, it trauma goes into the body, regardless of whether you are sort of conscious of it or not, right? And then it eventually our body has to speak to us because we're not paying attention to the emotions. We're not paying attention cognitively to what our thought processes are and our beliefs and all of that. And so then the body starts to send you messages. And I've been there as well, not as severely as you have, Barb, but Definitely all kinds of things that have happened over the years that I now know, looking back, um, was definitely my body expressing um, what I wasn't paying attention to, right? And and I think what happens is it just gets louder and louder and louder. Absolutely. Right? But I think that's an amazing point that you have made that a lot of people, and I 100% agree with it, 
is that we stay stuck, you know, and you hear everybody talk about, oh, I'm stuck, all right, right? But we stay stuck in these areas, um, whether it's physical illness or mental illness, or, and I'm not talking again about, let me just caution that there, there are serious, severe mental illnesses yes. that um, people don't have control over much of what happens. But, but even having said that, um, there can be more done once there is an awareness created, right? Yes. Like even yes. for self. But I'm talking about, you know, depression and anxiety, which I see a lot of, of course, especially after the last few years. Um, a lot of that, you know, we just ignore and we keep going and we keep going and we keep going and, and we don't stop long enough to go though, what am I getting out of this? Like, why am I, you know, not able to get out of bed for yes. a month? And, and what is happening around you? Well, think about it. You know, when we're sick, when there's something going on for us, we get lots of attention and sympathy and maybe people are doing for you. I see this all the time, especially with women who are the, you know, like hundred percent caretakers and, and mm -hmm. do everything in the house and their kids aren't helping them and they get mad and they're like, why aren't you helping me? And so on. And then you know, they get really super sick. And all of a sudden, everybody else has to pitch in and they're having to, you know, clean the house and they're having to do the chores. And that woman is like subconsciously and obviously like, um, you know, very uh, unaware, but, but in a sense is like, I'm going to stay here because look, everybody's helping out now this is what yeah. I wanted all the time all along this is what you said too Barb is like yeah. what I was looking for right from the get-go from when I was a child I started to get when I had these severe illnesses yes. yeah. yeah yeah so that's a massive kind of revelation right yes. I think it's yeah. important to remember too you know it, our generation we were most of us were raised in a very patriarchal society and women oh, yeah. that are raised that way end up either angry or full of disease and yeah. disease was my path you know i ended yes. up full of it yes. and it took me a lot i i mean i haven't healed it i still have those labels i just don't identify with them anymore you know i'm not i'm not poor barb with arthritis and rheumatoid and, and all i'm i'm just barb and i think that's been a major um revelation for me to just allow myself to be yeah. and not be identified by anything. Oh, I love that. Actually, if I'm going to be identified, identify me with love and gratitude. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you radiate now. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, again, law of attraction kind of, you know, it's not woo woo. It really isn't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is not. It, it I, is I, like what you put out, you're going to get more back. Absolutely. Right. I have yeah. to interrupt for just a minute and tell you, I just got a low battery, so we may die, okay. but oh, I, oh, I would no. love to just address that. Hmm. You know what we put out when I go back in my life, I've never had very many friends. I've always been a bit of an introvert, always shy, sort of kept to myself, never had a, a circle, a social circle. Mm. And I'm telling you, Leah, the people I'm surrounded with now, I think I could have written a book on my gratitudes for the people mm. that have helped me in my journey and the people that have been attracted to me, who love me, who support me. Like I sent out this message for my book launch and three particular friends. I just said, you know, I don't know if you can make it, but here's the launch they both they all sit back and it's like of course we'd be there like where else would we want to be on your day 
-hmm. That's the type of people I've attracted into my life. And it just, it blows my mind when I think of past Barb and Barb today. Yeah. And and who's she surrounded with. It's just incredible. Incredible. I love that. And I think I could talk talk to you for hours, of course, and I will have to have you back um, because there's still a lot to be said, but I want you to get in before your battery does die. (laughs) And I think that's a beautiful place to leave it, you know, Um, but I do want you to talk about this launch that you have coming up and how people can get your book. And also, because you do lots of other things, um, how people can uh, reach out to you if they would like to do that. Okay. First of all, the book is available ebook format only on Amazon right now, but I would encourage you to come and get the real book. It's very pretty. Yes. I, <laughs> I really I'm going to get the real the designer book. <laughs> to get the cover just right. And the cover is so, it's so important to me mm. because I really feel you need to take your life apart in order to put it back together. And that is what my cover signifies. It's a deconstructed rose. So yeah. oh. that says it all. You've got to come That's apart to come back it. together. So yeah. I'm having a book launch, a book signing on April the 30th at the Loft in Ajax. It's just off Salem, right across from the new Amazon warehouse. I will have lots of books there for, uh, for people who've pre-ordered. They can pick up, but I'll have lots of books there for sale as well. And how can uh, you people can, pre-order? Um, if people pre-ordered, they just e-transferred me the money and I just wrote it, down. The, how do they contact you to pre-order? Oh, through my email. Uh, do you want me to give it to you here on... Sure. Uh, we're going to put yeah. all of this in the show notes okay. um, for those that are walking and driving. And I know people are doing other things as they listen. Okay. Um, but just for anybody who wants to write it down right now. <laughs> yeah. Do you okay, mind? So giving, or would you prefer not to? No, I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, I'm very good at deleting and unsubscribing. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, no, no, they can email me at barb.takita at gmail.com. Of course, I'm on Facebook, you know, as Barb Takeda. I'm on Insta uh, as Barb Takeda, although I think it comes up as Soulful Expressions, which is my company name. But if they search Barb Takeda, they'll find me. Uh, I have a website, barbaratakeda.ca. Now, it's not, I haven't put it up for sale on my website yet, but uh, they can certainly contact me through my website. Mm, perfect. Perfect. And uh, yeah, you gave the details of if they wanted to, is it on your website, the uh, launch, or if they want to get more information about the launch? No, I can put it. I can put it on my website. No, it's not on my website. I've just been sharing it on social media so far. Okay, perfect. That's perfect. So, But I'm trying to share it like every two days, even though I'm getting probably boring to people. (laughs) You know, I really, I really am excited (laughs) to get this book out there. I feel really strongly that this book is going to help a lot of women. I Um, really believe that. they, They can identify with me and they can identify with what I went through. And I think that's really key to help them, you know, move forward in their journey and to see that they can heal their life. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it's painful. But the reward at the end of that rainbow, my darling, is worth every single second that you go through. I love it. Oh, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank I'm you, really Dana. excited. I am going to come and get my very own copy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I probably will reach out to pre-order. Um, and I, I hope that many of you um, will reach out to Barb. Um, I definitely get this book. Um, She has other publications, too, that I'm sure are still available if people wanted to get those. But I thank you so much, Barb, for being here with us today. And this was a fantastic conversation, definitely to be continued. 
Oh, thank uh, you, Leah. So I yeah. feel like I just left the buffet table. I'm well fed right now. Good. Excellent. Like excellent. Um, thanks all my listeners for tuning in again. And until next week, remember to grab some love and joy and peace wherever you can. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow me so you don't miss a single episode. If you want to go deeper in your healing, you can book a free discovery session with me and learn more about my unique strategy to unlock the real you through my Unearth, Uncover and Unleash three-part system to discover and heal your past and present trauma and become empowered to live your best life. Go to my website, lifelessons.ca or contact me directly at leah at lifelessons.ca to book your session. You can also find me on social media. My links are all on my podcast page. And while you're there, I would love it if you would leave a review, good or bad. I want to know how I can make this podcast just what you need it to be. And if you love it, I definitely want to hear that. You can also leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Until next time, grab some joy wherever you can. Bye for now. Thank you.